We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Thank you, Kyle. I am extremely glad you are back. It has it's good been, to be back. It has been a really busy week for me personally. I recorded last week's episode by myself, first time going solo, um, and then I had to pinch hit host on Sunday morning. I ended up going to a really horrible football game at Lambeau on Sunday after recording the podcast. Nice. Um, I wrote my very last article for PackersTalk.com. Um, which just so happened to be my 150th wow. um, article. Um, and then I got to be the guest on Railbird Central with Brian Caravu um, on Tuesday. So it has been a week filled with talking Packers, and um, it is going to continue to be so. Absolutely. That sounds like an awesome week. Uh, if you don't know, Andrew and I both got our starts on Railbird Central on that podcast, and so it's always always good to reconnect with Brian. Um, we've got a great show for you guys today, and great shows all week. Um, over the course of the next week, Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy will have a full slate of interviews as they carefully decide who should lead this team going forward. And so we, too, here at Packaday Podcast, have a full slate of shows for you, our loyal listeners. Every show over the 
course of the next week will be dedicated to one of the head coaching candidates that the Packers will be interviewing. So uh, different members of the Packaday team will be discussing the likes of Matt LaFleur, Dan Campbell, Chuck Pagano, Jim Caldwell, Joe Philbin, Mike Munchak, Brian Flores, and Pete Carmichael. But today... We are going to kick this off by turning our attention to a leading candidate for the Packers coaching vacancy and someone that absolutely is is definitely not someone who brings around strong feelings or disagreements. And that's current Patriots offensive coordinator and former Denver Broncos head coach Josh McDaniels. And depending on when you are listening to this podcast on Friday, the Packers might be interviewing McDaniels right now. Uh, they are scheduled to interview Josh sometimes on, sometime on Friday morning in Foxborough. Uh, and I think it's worth noting that on Thursday, it was reported that it does not appear that McDaniels will be interviewing with any other NFL teams. Previously, it was thought that he might interview with the Cincinnati Bengals, but it now looks like the Packers interview will be the only interview that he takes. And so it appears that the Packers uh, will be his choice or he will be back to New England um, with the Patriots. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on McDaniels only interviewing with the Packers? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It means we or or the Green Bay Packers have his full attention. Um, I think McDaniels is in a really great situation and can probably say no to any position he wants, knowing that he would likely be the heir apparent in New England. So from a Packers perspective, the worst situation you can be in is offering a guy a job and then losing out to another team um, and then having to go with your second or third or fourth choice. So I think this saves face um, for the Packers, and and it shows that their job is going to be one of the top available openings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I tweeted on Thursday that I would be a little bit confused if McDaniels agreed to interview with the Bengals. For one, it's a much less desirable job than the Packers job. And Cincinnati clearly does not know what they're looking for in a head coach. They're considering Vance Joseph, who was just fired, Hugh Jackson. And maybe some of the Rams coordinators it looked like today. They they just put that out that they're going to talk to those guys. And then Josh McDaniels on the end of that list. So those are all very different candidates. And there are some red flags uh, in the Cincinnati Bengals organization. And so it makes a ton of sense, as Andrew said, that if McDaniels really is interested in the Packers job, he could want to make his intentions very clear by only interviewing with them. But obviously, opinions on McDaniels vary greatly, uh, depending on who you're talking with. But he's been in the league for a long time and has had a ton of success with that Patriots organization, including five Super Bowl rings. And so uh, we are going to do our best to help paint a picture of who Josh McDaniels is and why he might be the leading candidates for this Packers job. So, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and help us get started here? Yeah, I wanted to take a little bit deeper dive into McDaniel's early career. So first up, he is the son of a high school coaching legend in Ohio, um, and he played quarterback in high school for his father um, and then moved on to play wide receiver at John Carroll University. Keep that name in mind. You're going to hear that a lot as I talk tonight. Um, And he actually got beat out at John Carroll by Nick Casario, who um, has been a coach slash front office executive in New England, kind of a a small world there. Um, And he was college teammates with London Fletcher, which is weird. And Tom Telesco, who is the general manager of the now Los Angeles Chargers. So basically, if you want to go to the NFL, forget Alabama, go to John Carroll University. (laughs) 
That's what um, I did wrong. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so speaking of Bama, his dad's connections helped him get a grad assistant position at Michigan State on Nick Saban's staff. He was actually out of coaching for a bit after that grad assistantship. Um, he worked as a salesman in Cleveland, and then he um, joined the Patriots staff in 2001 as a personnel assistant. He transitioned into a defensive coaching assistant for two years and in 2003 moved on to the defensive backs coach. So I thought it was really interesting that he started out as a defensive assistant and then made the transition into offense. Kind of an appealing thing for, for a coach to have some experience on both sides of the ball. In 2004, um, he did move into the quarterback's coach role, and after Charlie Weiss left in 2004, the Patriots actually didn't have an offensive coordinator for a season. Um, There have been some rumors, people going back um, throughout the years, that said McDaniels was actually calling the plays that season, but he didn't have the official title. Um, That was um, officially, um, he was named the offensive coordinator in 2006, And then 2007 is that historic offense we all remember with Randy Moss, where they were just chucking the ball up and uh, throwing it all over the field with Wes Welker and everybody else. And they seemingly set every pass record. And then he was a super highly sought commodity. But of course, for young assistants, when you make a Super Bowl run, sometimes that timing doesn't work out with teams really wanting to um, get that head coach in place right away. So 2008, I actually thought might have been a more impressive coaching job by him. He coached an offense that was led by Matt Castle to an 11-5 and record when Tom Brady went down in week one. Um, and then that, of course, leads us up into that Broncos opening. So, Kyle, you want to take a stab at that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Before we jump into that, you mentioned Nick Saban and the connection there when he was at Michigan State. So do you think if he came to Green Bay that is there any chance that Nick Saban would come on as like, say, a coordinator? Um, I would go ahead and say no. But the the litany of former college head coaches who end up in Alabama and then always seemingly somehow end up in Belichick's staff somewhere um, would be an interesting pathway to watch, because I don't know if if. McDaniels and Saban have that same kind of relationship, and if you'd see some of that information flowing both ways, or if yeah. if Belichick would see him as the enemy. <laughs> Absolutely, it's always fun to dream, you know, have Saban as a as a coordinator. Right. Um, <laughs> also, really interesting that he was a, had some defensive background. I did not know that. So, um, in 2009, McDaniels was hired by the Broncos as head coach, replacing Mike Shanahan. And so at 32 years old, he was an incredibly young uh, head coach hire. But in addition to that, he was also given complete control of that roster and the personnel decisions. uh, And that was all given to him by then owner Pat Bolin, which ended up being really the main reason for, I think, his demise in Denver. I think it was pretty clear that McDaniels is wired to be a coach and not a GM. And having to do both jobs proved too much for him at that time. And uh, that's a ton of responsibility for anyone, let alone anyone who's 32 years old. In Denver, it didn't take long for McDaniels to conclude that Jay Cutler was not the guy he wanted leading his team. So he traded him away to Chicago. And so for that, Packers fans are already eternally indebted to McDaniels. Uh, But then unfortunately, he tied himself to the like of Kyle Orton and Tim Tebow at quarterback. And that went about as well as you would have guessed that it would. Um, Andrew mentioned Matt Castle, and I think his dream all along that was that he could bring Castle with him to Denver, but that obviously uh, never materialized the way that he'd like it. Um, other criticisms of McDaniels in Denver included his inability to delegate and share responsibility, and that he insisted on doing just about everything himself. And at the end of the day, his head coaching experience in Denver was kind of a big disaster, especially considering uh, all the expectations that came with him going there. 
Yeah, and then he went ahead, um, he spent an, a year as the offensive coordinator in St. Louis under Steve Spagnola, which is interesting because McDaniels was the offensive coordinator for New England when Spagnola was the defensive coordinator in New York, and then of course they faced off in the Super Bowl, and Spagnola had enough respect for him to bring him on as his offensive coordinator, and then he ended up replace, or he ended up going back to the Patriots um, and inevitably replaced Bill O'Brien um, as the offensive coordinator again. That was kind of a weird situation where um, McDaniels came back for the playoff run as a special assistant, even though he was technically still a Rams coach. A lot of gray area there that <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to dive into. Sure. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's not the end of the question marks that are attached to McDaniels. Uh, we should probably at least touch on what happened last year in Indy. Oh, fine. Um, so <laughs> certainly the biggest red flag when it comes to McDaniels is that he accepted the head coaching role in Indy last year and then kind of turned it down the same day or backed out of his deal. Um, now, part of me is understanding of that. I think most of us can understand making a big decision and then having cold feet after some further reflection. And and there's some of us who would go through with the decision no matter what, and some of us who might be okay with backing, backing down after a while. Um, I truly believe he took the job with the understanding that Andrew Luck was a full go. And then after some further evaluation, had no idea if he was going to be able to come back or not or be able to throw. And, you know, he was throwing tennis balls and all sorts of other weird stuff. And the part that is a little bit harder to forgive is that he hired most of a coaching staff and then just kind of left them hanging there. And it's something that will certainly be brought up in this interview, and that's going to be an obstacle for Brian Gutekunst to overcome. Um, I don't totally expect that to be a massive factor in this decision, but if McDaniels accepts the job, um, I would be willing to bet he'll be at 1265 for this foreseeable future otherwise he's probably never going to get a another interview for a head coaching spot yeah absolutely he has to know that he has to know that he has to has to go through this the right way so um i actually have an additional conspiracy theory um in addition to just not knowing exactly what would be up with andrew luck and his health um but an additional conspiracy theory to what happened with the colts last year uh, so hang with me here but it's pretty well documented that there have been some tensions between tom brady and bill belichick and even owner robert Kraft since is early as 2017, and there are reports that Kraft forced Belichick to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, and that Tom Brady was frustrated with some of the things in the organization, and obviously it was all speculation, but there was even some discussion that Belichick might force his way out of New England, and that there was just a lot of tension between people in that organization in general. Now, imagine being Josh McDaniels in that situation. You're then forced to try to keep the peace with your owner, your head coach, and your Hall of Fame quarterback. Try not to take sides in the middle of this conflict. And so my conspiracy theory is that McDaniels felt like he needed to separate himself from the situation. And so he was primarily considering the Colts job, merely not knowing what the future would be like if he were to stay in New England. And then once that was cleared up, he decided he wanted to stay. Um, that's obviously just my theory, but McDaniels did do an interview following his return to New England after bailing on the Colts, and in that interview, he says that he didn't know if he was in the Patriots' future plans. Now, a lot of people have taken that to mean that he wanted to be assured that he would be Bill Belichick's successor in New England, but if you take that into consideration, the tension that existed in the building, you have to wonder if maybe he felt there was a chance that the future of that coaching staff was just a little bit uncertain. And to muddy the waters even more, there's another interview where McDaniels, uh, you can find this on YouTube, uh, you know, your great 
internet source. Um, but you can you can find McDaniel's talking about his thoughts on the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And it's very obvious in this interview that he's being very careful with the words that he chooses to use. And he seemed very disappointed and even frustrated that Jimmy was no longer with the team. And so obviously what Josh McDaniels did to the Colts is terrible. And uh, he just doesn't really make a lot of sense that he would bail on a team like that. Uh, but I'm willing to bet that there are some layers to the story that we will never know. And maybe the Packers will get a little bit of a look behind the curtain in their interview that will make them feel a little bit better about what went down in Indy last year. And I wanted to take a little bit of time to discuss what McDaniels brings to a team and why he might be interested in the Green Bay job. And simply put, for me, the the biggest appeal of Josh McDaniels is that he's a really great offensive mind. Early in his career, he was orchestrating run-first schemes. Um, he, of course, had a great vertical-oriented offense during uh, Tom Brady's peak. And now he's becoming an expert in the short-passing game, and that's really helped to extend Tom Brady's career. The Patriots are famous for changing scheme and strategy from game to game to take advantage of what the week's matchup is going to give them. And quite frankly, that's what we all have been complaining about Mike McCarthy for years. So I think he'd be a perfect replacement in in that capacity and for the modern NFL offense where you have to do a lot of different things um, and create a lot of misdirection and get the ball out of your quarterback's hand quickly. And, hey, guess what? He's been a part of five Super Bowl wins. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> Kyle, what? why would he want to take the Green Bay job? Yeah, there's another factor that's a little bit interesting. There is a Gutekunst McDaniels connection. Um, he, McDaniels and Brian Gutekunst have a little bit of history here. It was reported that McDaniels was the leading candidate for the 49ers job. And when that was the case, Brian Gutekunst was the GM that they wanted to pair him with, um, in San Francisco. Obviously the 49ers situation didn't work out, but these guys clearly would have done their homework on each other at that time. And it's probably a good sign that McDaniels is interested in interviewing, knowing that Brian Gutekunst is in fact the GM in Green Bay and that he would be working with him. Um, now, Andrew, I just want to take just a minute to share our personal thoughts on Josh McDaniels being the next coach of the Green Bay Packers and how we feel about the possibility. H how are you feeling? Well, um, McDaniels is my favorite candidate, and I did say on Railbird Central that he's my odds-on favorite to um, get the head coaching job, but I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to take the contrarian view here. <laughs> so um, I don't like that he wears a visor. Yeah, that's quality. Is that what we're going to go with? That's fair. All right, so the negatives are pretty obvious. First, it might be difficult to assemble a great supporting cast after he left his previous hires kind of hanging in the wind in Indianapolis. Um, the second thing is the history of New England assistants is sort of like a novel of failed head coaches. So does he need Bill Belichick to succeed? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, finally, he had some struggle dealing with big personalities in Denver, um, like Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall, and maybe deservedly so, um, because those guys did have difficulty getting along with other head coaches. Um, but he would have a pretty big personality under center in Green Bay. So, um, Kyle, why don't you take the um, reasons why he would be a good fit or the sure. right fit? Sure, absolutely. Um, Josh McDaniels is also my first choice to be the Packers uh, coach next year. I really liked Bruce Arians as an option, but he's obviously not one that's being considered. Uh, the Packers are considering some other safe options. You know, we're, we talked to Jim Caldwell and Chuck Pagano, and I would say those are safer picks. Uh, but they are not home run hitters. And Josh McDaniels has a real chance to be a home run coach. And if he fails... It's not going to be because he doesn't know how to coach offense and put points on the board. 
And so I'm willing to bet on his growth as a leader and as a person over the last 10 years and, and take a chance on him here. The other factor in hiring McDaniels that I believe is a huge deal is the accountability and expectation of excellence that he will automatically be shouldering himself. Uh, but also share with QB Aaron Rodgers. I really believe that bringing in Josh McDaniels guarantees both he and Aaron Rodgers have to find a way to make it work and make it work well. Aaron Rodgers can't afford to not have a great deal of success with Tom Brady's offensive coordinator and an offense that Brady himself has said that Rodgers would throw for 6,000 yards playing in. So Rodgers would have no choice but to buy into a proven system. In the same way, Josh McDaniels can't if you can't find success working through the offense of Aaron Rodgers, I mean the arm of Aaron Rodgers, rather, <laughs> he, his offense, he will uh, he probably wouldn't get another shot of being a head coach if that were the case. So in my opinion, this would be a coaching hire of ultimate accountability and respect for both Rodgers and McDaniels. But it's obviously going to take some time before we hear who Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekind select to be the next coach of this team. But while we wait, we wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about how hiring Josh McDaniels could shape this offseason and what list McDaniels might come to Brian Gutekunst with. Uh, in other words, what pieces would McDaniels think that, that he might need to pull off his offense in Green Bay and implement it in the way that he wants to? Yeah, so um, I mean, obviously, Josh McDaniels is a pretty realistic candidate for the head coaching job. And I just wanted to take a stab at a few people who might be candidates as assistants on his staff um, to help accent what he would be doing in Green Bay. I think um, if Adam Gase doesn't end up with a head coaching gig, he could be a potential offensive coordinator as could Mike McCoy. Both have a history um, with McDaniels in Denver. Both were on his initial staff. McCoy as the offensive coordinator and Gase as the wide receiver coach. Some younger New England assistants who could both be coming up are assistant quarterback coach Jerry Shuplinski. I think nice. I got that right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and tight end coach Nick Cayley, who are both John Carroll University grads. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. I told you all day, Kyle. Carroll <laughs> University. Um, but they're both considered um, big-time prospects in, in the young coaching ranks. Um, I would expect him to add a veteran defensive coordinator to his staff. When he started in Denver, he brought in Mike Nolan, who, of course, had head coaching experience. Um, and certainly Mike Pettin would be a candidate. Um, Vance Joseph is another guy who could potentially be out there. Um, you and I were talking about Todd Bowles before we recorded the show. Uh, of course, they would be very familiar with each other, Bowles having been with the Jets in the AFC East. Um, Brendan Daly is another name to keep an eye on. He could come over from the Patriots where he serves as a D-line coach. He was with the Vikings as a defensive line coach and had a lot of success there as well. Um, but certainly after the Indy debacle, the assistant coaches are going to be critical to this team's success and putting together a, a big-time staff is going to be really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from a roster standpoint, uh, there's a couple things I'd like to talk about. Uh, we all know that Randall Cobb is a free agent this year and likely won't be back with the pack, even though Rodgers has campaigned on his behalf. Uh, and Rodgers has pointed to the need for more explosive slot receivers, regardless of whether that person is Cobb or not. So if Josh McDaniels were to come in as coach, I would expect him to want to add some small, shifty wideouts that uh, could be field stretchers or just really reliable set of hands in the slot. Um, and one name to keep an eye on would be Philip Dorsett. Uh, he's currently with the Patriots and McDaniels and would be a relatively cheap free agent option this offseason. McDaniels has spoken highly of Dorsett in the past, and he has 4-3 speed, uh, so that would be a nice addition to the Packers' offense. 
Yeah, and speaking of speed, um, one guy that could be intriguing um, along with Dorsett or instead of Dorsett would be Cordero Patterson. McDaniels found a lot of unique ways to use Patterson, and while there are a lot of promising young players at wideout, the Packers don't really have anyone with the skills Cordero possesses. And if Cobb is gone, Patterson is a guy who can be the receiver out of the backfield. He can be an explosive slot guy. And finally, they would have a kick and punt returner who's capable of bringing it to the house and and just being reliable and catching the ball, which is something they've been severely lacking. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be nice to know who that guy was going to be going into next season. Um, the Patriots also have a lot of other intriguing free agents that might be interested in following McDaniels over to Green Bay. On the decent defensive side of the ball, uh, Trey Flowers and Jason McCourty are both free agents. Um, and the Packers are definitely going to be looking for some help rushing the passer. And uh, Trey Flowers is a big, thick, uh, kind of a, a Nick Perry mold kind of defensive end um, edge rusher. And then Jason McCourty obviously would be some help in the secondary that they might consider even um, maybe if they didn't bring back someone like uh, Rashad Breeland. So uh, some some things to look forward to this offseason. Flowers would be like Nick Perry if Nick Perry was healthy and good. <laughs> yeah, you said that pretty well. Okay. Um, so anyways, that is our um, summary of Josh McDaniels and and what Packers fans could look forward to and, and maybe some of the trepidations that they might have um, as they're interviewing him this morning. Um, but that is all the time that we have for today. And this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the Packaday Podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark, and they're going to be taking a closer look at Chuck Pagano. Um, the rest of the team is going to be breaking down all of the head coaching candidates over the next week and a half, so definitely tune in, get get some updates um, on, on who the Packers are interviewing and, and what the potential upside um, is going to be for each one of those. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. Um, and next week, we're going to be do, taking a look at Patriots defensive coordinator Brian Flores. So maybe we should start calling the show the Pats a Day podcast. <laughs> no. Oh, that's good. All right. But anyways, we want to say a, a sincere thank you for listening. And as always, remember. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25!
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.